Like for me, I'm not a very sentimental person. When you get too emotionally invested in certain things, then it becomes a problem because that stops you from looking at something else. That stops you from adapting. Okay. Yeah. I think there's this, there's this saying that, you know, don't fall in love with your product, but fall in love with your customer. Exactly. Right? I think yeah. that's so important. Why was um, customer first so important to you guys? Money is important, but it's secondary. I believe that the reason why a business exists is to serve the customers. If there are no customers, if the customers' needs are not being met by the, the mm. business, then uh, there is no point yeah. for the business to be there. If there's one thing that I believe in is to have intention behind every single thing that we do, okay. that's the same case that you know, as how I approach my business problems also, or anything that I do in my business. Yeah. The same thing that I do in my life also, like that you have to have intention. Especially at now, when I look back, I wish I knew that intention should be the reason why we do things, not mm. tradition, not oh, yeah. obligation, not yeah. any other thing. Yeah. Um, so yeah, nice. intention. Intention, yeah. right. so not tradition. Very nice. <laughs> I like that, I like that. You've probably heard that your story is your brand. So how can ordinary entrepreneurs and salespeople like you and me tell our stories in a way that cuts through all the noises in this overcrowded social media world and reach the audience that we want. Join me as I break down storytelling secrets that have helped me achieve over 8 figures in revenue as well as interviewing some of Asia's most prominent names and rising stars to uncover their stories. I hope this show will inspire you to be more vulnerable and share your story to the world because your mess is your message. My name is Gabriel Wong and welcome to the Story Impact Show. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Story Impact Show where we dive into the stories of successful entrepreneurs, business owners and high performers so we can discover what they are doing to be at the top. As usual, if you like my content so far, please help to smash the like button and subscribe to my channel as this will greatly help with the algorithm so we can reach our message to more people. We're also picking two random winners who commented on our videos on their best learning every single week to win a free copy of the Traffic Secrets book. So if you'd like to win a free copy, remember to comment your best learning at the end of this video. Today's guest started designing website while still studying in secondary school and eventually started a web design service business at age 17 with his co-founder. The service-based business pivoted into a web hosting company known as Vodian and eventually sold that company for $30 million and he was traveling the world for the last two years. He now spends most of his time giving back by mentoring students, speaking at various events about entrepreneurship and even donating to his former university to create a scholarship fund. I'm very honored to have him on the show today, so please help me to welcome Elvin Poe. Hey Elvin, thanks for being here, thanks for being on the show. Yeah, thanks for inviting me. Yeah, I appreciate it. So, um, I think I want to start off right away by asking you, um, what inspired you in the beginning to start Vodian? Uh, well, the, the fact of the matter is, man, we just... Okay, so back then, I was only 17. Mm. All that I wanted to do was to have pocket money. Because I come from a so, pretty low... Okay. 17 years old? Yeah, 17 okay. years old. Okay. Yeah. My family wasn't well to do. Like, okay. like, I had enough for my bus ride to and fro school, and then uh, lunch was at home. Or sometimes I have lunch money to have at the school canteen, right? Yeah. But that's about it. So yeah. if I wanted to go out, if I wanted to go like hang out with my friends or uh, whatever, I'll go out, I have to come up with my own money somehow, okay. right? And so I'll either do part-time jobs or at a point of time, I was also doing like 
uh, freelance web design. Okay. Which is a long story. So okay. I got got interested in computers and I started learning how to okay. use. So you do freelance web design. Yeah. And then what stumbled upon the idea of like creating volume? And that was how many years ago? Uh, seventeen. So that was about thirty five, thirty six years ago. Uh, yeah, sorry, sorry. <laughs> 19, I'm 36, so it's okay. about 19 years okay. ago. Yeah. 19 years ago, okay. <laughs> okay, so so what? how do you stumble upon the idea? You started up your partner, right? Yeah, so um, when I was like in secondary school, my, my, my dad got a computer, and with that computer, I think it changed my life because I started experimenting with stuff. Uh, mm. Back then, we used this thing called IRC to chat. Mm. And IRC was a program that you can like actually theme and, and all that yeah. so uh, like for me I was very interested because you download the theme right it would allow you to do some stuff like play songs and you know like you have colour and all that yeah. sometimes it doesn't really work the way you want to so I was like figuring how, how to make a better theme and then I started learning scripting and programming because mm. of that so I created my own mm. uh, then that got me hooked with programming Okay. so as a result you know uh, I was very comfortable with the computer one day I think my one of my relatives actually asked me if I could just do a simple website. Yeah. I hadn't done a website before, so I said yes. Yeah. Then I figured how to do it. Yeah. I did it. Uh, I think I got paid a token amount. Okay. Uh, friends or yeah. relatives, they yeah. just yeah. We all start from there, right? Yeah. yeah it's, always, it's always that, yeah. yeah. But that gave me an idea. That was like, oh, somebody will pay me for that. And then I was like, okay, let me try uh, advertising. Because uh. I, I like to be at home, right? So I stay at home with my computer yeah. and just like yeah. go online. I'll use like online classifieds and all that. All free, uh, just posting. Like. Oh, so this was like, so I'm, I'm just trying to understand because I think there's a time where there's no Facebook and no YouTube no, and none of this, none of this no. stuff that we have today, right? None. So you had yeah. to what? Go online, classify ads and what, mm. what other ads, advertisement channel that you go to? Um, that was it. I used everything that was available online that was free um, to me. And I just posted advertisements. And because the internet was so new back then, this was like 2000. Yeah. Uh, you, can, you could post an advertisement right, and people would respond. Yeah. Like, hey, uh, I'm offering like web design services. Yeah. yeah. And then people would just email you. And, and, and so that's how I got like my first few clients. Yeah. Uh, and then there was word of mouth as well. This was when I was in secondary school. Mm. So then when I went to poly. Oh, secondary school. Yeah, secondary school. Okay. Sec, sec three okay. or sec four. Uh, then when I went to Poly, um, I met my co-founder. Mm. Very first day of school, we were in the auditorium, seated mm. next to each other. Mm. We started hanging out, we started becoming friends, we did yeah. everything in school together, like assignments, projects, and all of that, right? Yeah. And because we were such good working partners in school, after school or like during school holidays, we figured, okay, let's go do uh, something together also. So yeah. we did some part-time jobs, then we figured, yeah, actually, why don't we just do something uh, bigger? Mm. And I was still doing freelance web design, right? So I said, you know, we together could do more, mm. bigger projects, more, more, more clients and stuff yeah. like that. Yeah. And so we did. So yeah. Vodium was started like that. Vodium was started as a freelance yeah. uh, web design, or not freelance, uh, web design business. Okay. So at the start, we did web design for our clients. And then after a while, uh, we decided to pivot. So okay. pivoting was another big story in itself. Okay. But eventually, Vodian became the Vodian as we knew it, a web hosting company. Mm. Okay, so I think one of the things, biggest thing I got from this whole thing is that like, from people who are listening at home, right? Yeah. They may be thinking, um, like, well, you started really early <laughs> and that, you know, you found something that you want to do early. But I think, I think the whole entire framework is that you found something that you love at the beginning, which is like computers, Yeah. right? And then 
you realize that people are willing to pay you money for it, which is the second part, right? Yeah. Because you could love to do something yeah. and no one's willing to pay, pay you money for it. There's no point, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. And then eventually you met someone, you met a partner and then you went, um, you went deeper in it, yes. right? And I think why I wanted to point out is because I feel that nowadays a lot of people are just copycats. Right. And they copy without understanding like what they love rather than, rather it's just more like, okay, because everyone's doing this, you know, I want to do it because this yeah. guy's doing coding, I want to do coding. Because yeah. this guy's doing marketing, I want to do marketing. Yeah. But yeah. I think the whole point is just finding out like, what do you like to do in the first place, mm. which is what you did at an early age, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. And, but some people don't find it at, at an early age. Well, that's the thing. I, I wouldn't have found it if I hadn't gone like try various things too. Mm -hmm. um, and that's the kind of advice that I would give anyone too. Like, nobody will know what you like to do until you go try various things, right? So mm -hmm. I tried various things too. I tried sports, mm -hmm. you know, I tried like uh, academic stuff, you know, mm -hmm. uh, music and all that. Like, you try various okay. things and you f finally figure out that, hey, uh, actually these are nice and all that, but you know, at the end of the day, I was always going back to computers and okay. I was fascinated with technology. To me, I loved puzzles also. Mm -hmm. So like coding and designing, they're always puzzles. Like, how do you do that? How do you do this? Mm. And to me, it was this giant puzzle waiting to be solved. And that was a natural drawn, like, like you naturally draw to it yeah. since you were young, yeah. right? Okay, yeah. awesome. So, so basically, we just got to find something that we are, we, we naturally draw to it in the first place. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Okay. And then expand upon it. The, okay. the thing is, you've got to let yourself try, you've got to let, let yourself have the time and the process to, to explore it and then you figure out stuff that you know would resonate with you I guess yeah. and will resonate with the market and that's where you, you can find a fit okay it'll take time but okay yeah. what is your biggest challenge when I mean when you started Vodian and when you scale it oh uh, wow biggest is hard man but uh, because we will face so many challenges and all of them were big challenges uh, literally everything because you can imagine like two like at a point in time poly kids we went through uh, like school and, and NS and all that, and we, we were just like figuring out how to run this business uh, by ourselves, right? And, and I remember like, I like telling people uh, our very first uh, HR issue, which was like our first employee, right? Yeah. It's not imagine us, right? Two kids trying to run a business, had no clue what, whatsoever about yeah. contracts and like HR processes and stuff. Um, our first employee, we hired him. He helped us with sales and support. Um, so the process is he come on, comes on board and then there's a probation period, right? Yeah. So I remember it was the end of the probation period yeah. already, which was about two or three months. And so we were very, we were, we were pleased that it was working out and things were good. So we wanted to uh, confirm him, his employment. Yeah. So we gave him a, a confirmation letter, right? But this was when we had an office at Hong Kong Street, which was the open office. Okay. So uh, like literally, no partitions, nothing, just open desks, open space. So we went up to this guy and sat down next to him and we started going through his whole uh, employment contract. Yeah. Right there in open plan office. Okay. So we went through, oh, this is, this is great. You know, we went through uh, his package, his, his uh, compensation and all of that, all in the open. And after that, when it all ended, then we were like, oh, I felt a bit strange. And I was like, yeah, actually those things are quite private. Uh. Then um, that's when my co-founder and I realized that we made a big boo-boo. Uh, but thankfully it was our first hire, nothing, nothing, not, it wasn't very big. Um, uh, the, business, the business was also pretty small, like, I mean, it was just three of us. Yeah. So uh, everything was all very nicely contained. So no, no big uh, yeah. mess. Yeah. Uh, but from there we learned and we learned that, okay, so we need to actually have a, maybe a private space in a meeting room or something yeah. to go through stuff like that. Mm. 
Um, but I mean, that's the kind of spirit and that's the kind of journey that we go through. Like all the way, we will try things and we will try to figure out like how things might turn out and try to plan for it yeah. or try to do things so that you know you don't you don't make stupid mistakes. Yeah. But it, but you know, uh, I think it's inevitable that you do. The the thing is to just learn from it quickly, try to contain whatever problems that occur, and then move on. Okay. Um, and that's the kind of thing that I guess we did throughout our entire journey. Okay. Yeah. Let, let's talk a bit about pivoting because I think right now that is a message that most people need to hear. Yeah. I mean, with this whole uh, pandemic going on, yeah. you know, businesses are changing. There's a new norm going on right now. And I think that a lot of businesses have to pivot, mm. um, whether they like it or not. Yes. Okay. Yes. Uh, a few of our businesses have pivoted, you know, since the circuit breaker in Singapore. Right. So like when you were, you, you mentioned about your pivoting was like one of the, yeah. one of the hardest moments. Yeah. Tell me more about that. Like, what happened? Why, why do you guys need to pivot in the first place? Um, so we pivoted. Our reason for pivoting was because we found that there was a disconnect between web design and what we wanted, as well as what our lives, uh, our lifestyles entailed at that point. Because okay. we were still students and we had to juggle school and work, and we we didn't want um, to always have to constantly deal with clients because web design is a very very uh, highly interactive uh, uh, yeah. industry. Right? You got to yeah. always like run through like. Uh, either proposals or meetings or revisions with yes. your clients yes. or do, doing sales as well. So that was something that we, we couldn't sustain. And so we wanted something that was more scalable. Mm. At the point, we didn't even know the word scalable. We just mm. wanted something that was like a product that we don't really need to spend that much time yeah. with a client. So we looked at it and, and I have this like process that I follow now. It's called a double diamond, right? Which mm. is split into four different segments. Mm. So you need to essentially uh, figure out your requirements figure out, brainstorm about like the possibilities out there, uh, define like your, your, your own like uh, resources, your strengths, your weaknesses. Mm. And from there you can actually really narrow down onto like a solution or to a, a in this case, a pivot, mm. an idea mm. that will satisfy all these things. Mm. Um, so it's a structured way of thinking. And from, for us, when we looked at it, uh, one of the things that like, besides time that we wanted to have more of, we also looked at, um, you know, what our resources were. And mm. our resources back then was basically the clients that we had, our customer database, right? Mm. Um, or our existing customers from the web design business. So the first thing that, or the, 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 the very logical thing that every web design customer needs is web hosting because mm. they need somewhere to put their website. Mm. So we thought that web hosting was a good idea to go into. Mm. It was a product. It didn't really require a lot but of... One of the things was because you were already serving that client, right? I yes. mean, you were already serving that audience. Yes. So you were able to kind of like narrow a bit deeper down into like what is the uh, real problems or like some of the deeper problems that you can actually solve. Uh, it was not, not, not really a deeper problem. I guess it was a different set of problems. Okay. Yeah. Because yeah. even, even when we were uh, Vodian, the web hoster, right? We were never doing design. Although we worked very closely with web design agencies, mm. it was mm. it was two separate problems when you look at it. A mm. company would require a website. Okay. When they do that, when they say that they need two things, they need a website that's uh, you know, designed okay. and then they need it to be hosted somewhere. So, okay. so they are like two different okay. problems. Related, very, very close, but yeah. Uh, different. But pretty much is okay. So in a way you're serving, uh, you're serving your audience and then you realize that they have different set of problems that you actually could solve. Yeah. And you actually can pivot a business towards that. That is not just more scalable, but um, it gives you the kind of, uh, not just money, but in terms of like, if it's into your lifestyle, your time and all that stuff. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. So 
would that be the advice that you would give people right now if they're trying to pivot? Yeah, okay. for sure. Okay, I think so. It's it's the same. It's the same thing. You have to. Well, I, I guess one thing that entrepreneurs and business owners have to be is nimble and agile. Like, if anything changes, a constant. It's mm. a, it's cliche, but like, mm. the one thing is the one thing that I guess is constant throughout my whole journey is that change is constant. Like even the way that we have our departments and our uh, flow of say customer tickets and whatever it is changes all the time you can ask any of my guys like literally on like one day we could say something and you know one month later the way that we handle our processes or the way that we did our business internally would change mm. because the, the customers would grow the number of customers would grow uh, we would realize a problem that needs to be fixed there was a bottleneck somewhere that that was like slowing things down and, and things kept changing okay. so yeah i can tell you that your job is this one day but I'm not going to promise that it's going to be the case for like a few months later. So okay. things, things keep, keep changing. So what is the mindset that you need to have to be able to adapt to this kind of situation? Well, that, that, that's like, like literally adaptability. That okay. I guess is the key thing. Um, and I, like for me, I'm not a very sentimental person, which okay. is also good because yeah. when you get too emotionally invested in certain things, yeah. it could be your job or it could be like a passion of yours or it could be whatever it is. If there is an engagement or that the kind of like um, connection that you, you don't want to let go of that, yeah. then it begin, becomes a problem because that stops you from looking at something else. Mm -hmm. That stops you from like pivoting or that, that stops you from adapting. Okay. Yeah. I think there's this, there's this saying that, you know, don't fall in love with your product, but fall in love with your customer. Exactly. Right. I think yeah. that's so important. Okay. Yeah. Entrepreneurs, I think, need to have that differentiation. Otherwise, they, they risk uh, really becoming too... Uh, stagnant or becoming too blindsided to what r the real problem is. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So basically, look at um, for for companies that are trying to pivot, right? Look at what um, look at the audience you're, you're serving right now. What are the problems or even other side problems or different problems that you can actually help to solve during this period of um, of the new norm? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. So eventually, you you um, you scale a company. You guys scale a company to. Um, um, and then you, you guys eventually sold it for $30 million, mm -hmm. right? So I, w I wanted to ask you, like, 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 do you guys receive other offers? And like, what gave you guys the decision to eventually say that, okay, you know, it's time for you guys to sell? Mm -hmm. And um, then when you guys sell, like, what are some of the challenges or maybe what are some of the things that you guys have to think about before you, be before you sell? Oh, wow. Yeah. So many questions. Yeah. Uh, we started the first one first. So like, mm. what, what gave you guys uh, or what made you guys decide to sell? Okay. Mm. Uh, so for a very long time when we were growing the business and scaling the business for, for many years, uh, there, were, there was nothing that happened in the, in the market. Nothing at all. Uh, nobody even really knew about hosting. So mm. we were just there serving the customers as best as we could. Yeah. And all of a sudden, I think it was like in 20, um, maybe about 2014, suddenly there was a lot of interest mm. in the hosting space. Mm. And at this point in time, I think um, a few of the bigger players in the world, like GoDaddy, HostGator, yeah. they started becoming very popular. And um, at a point of, I, I think they started acquiring companies also because they, I think in 2014, started looking at Southeast Asia. Mm. And it was not just them, it was like many other people also, people from Europe, Japan, um, yeah, uh, all parts of the world started looking at Southeast Asia because it was the last, one last piece of the world that, that hadn't really had a lot of interest or a lot of maybe international growth. So suddenly we were receiving a lot of uh, uh, meetings and offers okay. 
from people. Okay. And because Singapore always hosts exhibitions and conferences, global conferences, some of these were in the hosting space or in the cloud space. Mm. And so we have people continually coming uh, to us every once in a while, mm. uh -huh. especially whenever these events happen. So basically you guys rejected couple of offers at the beginning. Yeah, we had a lot of interest from private equity, from like uh, even strategic players from from time to time, but nothing really nothing really uh, gelled with us. Mm -hmm. uh, number one, we were we were very, very certain that um, because with private equity it becomes more of a finance uh, numbers game. And for us, like nothing nothing changed from our original uh, vision. We wanted to be the best hosting experience that our customers could get. Mm. In fact, if anything, we got the vision got stronger because mm. when we first started, it was all about providing customer support, right? Like 24-7, we'll always be there, we'll fix your problem no matter what. Mm. So that was our first uh, vision. Mm. But the vision evolved to encompass uh, not just support, but speed, mm. security, stability also. Mm. So all these things um, make up a really good hosting experience for the customer. And with all the offers that we, we had, no one really had the same kind of, you know, that vision that okay. uh, we had. So that, that we felt like there wasn't really a fit. Okay. So and it wasn't just the price. It was like, you have to yeah, make sure we, that- We didn't even go, get to the price. Okay. Because at first when we, we talked to the, you know, these people, yeah. like, yeah, they had the grand visions of like taking over the world and having yeah. like a big platform and, and yeah. all that. But the, the customer was always very lacking. It was, it was never about the customer. And for mm. us, I think, that was something that like didn't really sit well with us. Mm. Like, we were very happy in the Singapore space. Yeah. Uh, our customers were also very happy and I think that was an arrangement that we really liked. Mm. So nothing happened for us in terms of acquisitions until uh, our buyer came around, which was Dreamscape, right? And Dreamscape mm. was, was great because Dreams, Dreamscape is the holding company, but their operating company was Crazy Domains, which was like, the leading uh, domain and hosting provider in Australia. So they were just like us, we were leading uh, the Singapore, Singapore market and they were leading the Australia market. They were, they were also founder-led. Mm. And um, same thing, they were very, very customer-focused. Everything was also about the customer. Mm. They wanted it to be different. Uh, they, they wanted to provide like a very, very good level of service. Mm. Um, and so when they approached us, that, that, was, that was interesting. Actually, when they approached us, the CEO messaged me on LinkedIn. Mm. Then I ignored him because I don't use LinkedIn very much at that point of time. Okay. So, uh, I think after a while, then he decided to email us instead. So, he emailed my support desk and then my guys got the email and he's like, oh, okay, uh, forward it to me and, and yeah. let me know that he, he uh, tried to contact me. Yeah. Uh, and, and this was because they know who he is and who, they know who the company is because uh, our offices were actually side by side oh, okay. uh, in the Philippines. In Cebu, okay. we have our own office as well. And our office, it's not really side by side, but it's like next, the building next to each other. So you, through our window, you could actually see their offices. Mm. Um, yeah, so uh, that, that, was, that, was, that was interesting because when he came over, we started talking and that was when they said that they were looking to acquire. And I, I think that was one of the two companies that we really started like having a serious conversation about. Okay. So, uh, I think about a few weeks after we initially met in Singapore, I went over to the Philippines to, to look at their operations and to yeah. actually visit their offices. Mm -hmm. That's where I got to know how they really structured everything. They, 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 they were really structured. Um, they, had, they, they grew and kind of had the same history yeah. like we did, like how yeah. Vodian did back then. The kinds of 
uh, problems that we went through, the the software that we yeah. used, the, yeah. the everything. So it was it was it was like as though there was a really good fit. Yeah. Um, and that gave us the confidence to you know to go ahead with these guys together. Why, why was um. You know, customer first so important to you guys. Uh, well, for me as an entrepreneur, like money is important, but it's secondary. Because I, I believe that the reason why a business exists mm. is to serve the customers. If mm. there are no customers, if the customers' needs are not being met by the, the mm. business, then uh, there is no point yeah. for the business to be there. Mm. Um, and, and so I, I see the entrepreneur as a person of like solutions, of, of like providing solutions to the customers. Okay. And that's why I think that has to be the key and that has to be the focus, the singular focus mm. for any companies mm. or any business. Yeah. yeah. Basically no focusing matter, on the customer because providing solutions to the customer. Yeah, no matter what stage you're at. Okay. Even somebody that's pivoting to somebody that's in the scaling up stage, mm. like the number one thing that keeps your company going and the number one thing that that, you know, is the reason why the customer chooses you is mm. the customer. Is the needs that the customers have. Okay. Yeah. yeah. That makes sense. Love yeah. it. Um, you so so eventually you guys decided to sell the company, and I remember I read um, one of the articles that's featuring that the wholesale and like it's basically another interview. And you mentioned that one of the things that or one of the biggest challenge that you guys had was like making sure that you know all your employees were well taken care of and things yeah. like that. So could you maybe explain more about that? Like like so what happened, and why was that important to you as well? Um, well, because we grew together, I think everybody grew together, and that was the that was the thing that you know I wanted to be sure was uh, part of the transaction. So, Vodian also acquired a few companies, mm-hmm. right? Um, and I think through any acquisitions, one of the problems that you need to, as the business owner, need to need to be aware, need to be cognizant of, is the fact that you're bringing together two very different organizations. Even though there might be similarities, mm. culture is never going to be the same, values is never going to mm. be the same, even if they are the same, which is not likely, um, you're going to face overlaps. Mm. Right? You're going to face like maybe one guy with the same job role that's present in both organizations. What happens then? So yeah, that's one of the things that we wanted to be sure that happens in the, in the, the voting acquisition also, was that you know we would... Uh, be running on our own mm. also and for a while Vodian was running on its own it's just that we had a we were now big, part of a bigger family mm. Mm. Uh, yeah so I, I guess that was one of the things that was on the top of my mind that we had this plan to to you know, you know take, take care of everybody also mm. okay so that, but, but why is that important to you to take care of everybody well, other than the fact that I mean they, they follow <laughs> you and they have been growing with you but was there a deeper reason for that well, I guess when, so the way we hire is that uh, we, we don't just hire for the sake of hiring. We hire because we have a vision and we are looking for people to join us in order to fulfill that vision. Hmm. When that's being done, I feel that it's a promise that's being made, right? Hmm. Um, and it's a two-way thing. Like, they, they, they know that it's a vision that they want to be uh, part of mm. and we want them also to be part of our, our team and mm. so when that happens I, I feel that that promise needs to be kept I guess yeah. even though that might be a acquisition that, that happens okay yeah. Okay. so so you guys have to make sure that all, all the people working for you guys are well taken care of before you guys uh, went ahead with the deal yeah, but so by well taken care of I mean that, that you know we, we don't just 
uh, terminate people just because there's an acquisition. Mm. We want to make sure that, you know, Vodian as a business, uh, number one, the, the, the people that we hire, they are hired for specific reasons. And we know that those reasons are never, are never uh, you know, uh, in excess. Mm. We run very, very lean. So mm. if a person were to be removed, that means a function isn't uh, running at its optimal capacity. Mm. It could be marketing, it could be support, it could be uh, tech, it could be infrastructure, whatever it is, yeah. right? If a person is removed, that means something must not have been uh, optimized. Okay. So, to me, it's, it's two-pronged, right? It, yeah. it also means that my business is, is going to be suffering. And if a business suffers, that means the customer suffers. Yeah. And I don't want that. Yeah. Um, so, th those are the thoughts that are going through my mind as well. Okay. Yeah. So, eventually, when you guys decided to sell, and you also the company, um, basically, what was going through your mind after you sell the company? Because um, I think the reason why I want to ask is because you guys sold the company for $30 million, yeah. right? And uh, I think you guys bootstrapped the whole company. Yeah. You, you guys bootstrapped the company, which means that you guys didn't have any um, previous investor or something, right? So that means you and your co-founder um, would have cashed out a, a, a big lump sum of money, yeah. right? How do you feel about that after that? <laughs> yeah. Let me give you an example of how of the person that we, the people that we were, me and my co-founder. Yeah. The day the, the monies actually reached our bank account, right? Which was like the day after we signed and all that. That day, Nothing happened. Mm -hmm. The next day, I was back at the office at 9 a.m. Well, actually, no, I went to the gym first. So uh, I think it was 9, 9.30 or uh, back yeah. then. I, I can't remember my, my routine really. But basically, I just woke up, I went to the gym, so and went to the office. It's the same routine. And it was the same routine again. Okay. It was the exact same routine. We had the same projects that we wanted to work on. We had the same focus. Yeah. Nothing changed for us. Oh. Um, and I think that's a good thing for people that, you know, um, have a has a has a, have a bigger purpose or bigger vision because mm. then the money is just secondary, right? Mm. Um, so so to me, I'm I'm thankful that that was the case because for for at least nine months after that, we were just singularly single like sing, had a single focus on improving the projects yeah. that we really like had planned way before the acquisition. Yeah. Um, at the start oh. of the year in 2017, we acquired Web Visions mm. and we were going through the integration process. Mm. Our acquisition happened in July 2017, mm. the middle mm. of the year. So after that, we were still going through like integrations. We still had like plans of like uh, making everything run yeah. run smoothly. We had we had even we even came out with uh, a project uh, called uh, Doctor, which is like a AI plus human uh, hybrid mm. technology for customer support. Okay. So that you know our customers will get better support. It was faster, less prone to mistakes, and and the customer support levels were more consistent, and not dependent on who you spoke to. Mm. So those were all the things that we wanted to work on, mm. uh, and we did for. And you all continue to do it yeah. after the sale. Yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, cause that, that was, I think for us that was more important. That was like like our purpose. Yeah. yeah. So basically, the vision, the uh, what you guys wanted to do, your purpose is basically the primary thing yeah right yeah. money is basically the secondary yeah. and so how long do you guys work continue to work at Vodian before you guys eventually left uh i stayed on for about a year after the acquisition okay yeah and i left after a year uh my partner left uh sometime after that okay yeah after so me. so how do you feel after leaving because um you know, I, I hear a lot of stories of how when people sold their company and then, yeah. you know, perhaps they don't have anything that's next and they will usually have some kind of like something empty, like, okay, yeah. what's next? What, what, what are they going to do now? Uh, like, I heard that like, 
um, the first batch of people who all went to the moon came back depressed. <laughs> now, I'm not saying you are depressed. <laughs> I'm saying like, it's like you've been to the moon and you come back, it's like, what's next? Yeah. Right? Yeah. So, so like, how do you feel? Was, were, 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 were some of these things that you, were you going through some of this? Like, what do you do after you, you left? Oh, absolutely, man. I was, uh, I was maybe not depressed, but I was definitely feeling very lost. Okay. So, I left in July 2018. After that, I was, I was really, really lost. I, I mm. at a point in time, decided to sell everything that I had. I was like wondering why I had all these stuff at home. Mm. And when I was running my business, huh. I was, I was, I was very busy, right? Yeah. And so you don't really care about the stuff that you yeah. know that's in your life, but. Yeah. After you don't have a business, I didn't have a purpose anymore. Right? Yeah. And I was like at home and looking at the stuff that I had and I realized I, I didn't really need a lot of these things. Because most of the time they were in a, actually all of the time they were either in my cup my cupboard my cupboard or my wardrobe yeah. or like my clothes and I, I'll never take them out. They're always there just in case or yeah. you know, I'll I'll use them one day or whatever yeah. it is, right? So I, I had that um and I decided to sell everything. So I think if you look at my carousel account that's like a whole like so, so everything that you have? Everything, everything. Okay. I, sold, I sold my apartment, I sold my car, I sold uh, all the stuff I have. I only have like four uh, t-shirts right yeah. now. Uh, one pair of jeans, one pair of shorts, one pair of board shorts, yeah. one, flip, one <laughs> pair of flip flops, one pair of shoes, like uh, one yeah. of each. You know what's so, funny? Every time I hear stories like this, this is not the first time I hear something like this, okay? It's like, like most entrepreneurs that, I mean like, okay, once they reach a, Okay, it's like a woke moment. I don't know how to tell you, like, when you, when you started because you started because you just want more money for yourself, which is what you mentioned earlier, right? Yeah. You just want more, uh, more income for yourself, you want to buy the stuff you want, things like that. And then eventually you reach a point where you realize that actually none of this stuff really matters. <laughs> yeah. And then you sell everything. Like, like uh, when I study different kinds of entrepreneurs from like, you know, like even Elon Musk, he sold everything, <laughs> right? Uh, more recently, I, I was following this internet entrepreneur called Alex Becker. Okay. Same thing, he sold everything and then he went to work on something okay, that... Thanks. Yeah, he went to work on something that he is... Uh, uh, passionate about, right? He, I mean, he cashed out a couple of million dollars from a previous business. Yeah. He sold everything. So yeah. his number, so his everything, and he went to, and then now he called himself the most work empty house uh, business advice guy. And I don't know, maybe one day I'll reach there where I have to, <laughs> where I will sell everything. So you just sold everything. Mm. Okay. And then what do you work on after that? Um, I traveled. So okay. I realized I, I didn't really have anything that was holding me back in Singapore also. So I decided to just travel. Mm. That was something I never did or was never able to do in the past because my business was always in Singapore. Mm. So when I could, in 2018, I decided to just leave mm. um, and I traveled for two years after that. Mm. I came back to Singapore every three months, yeah. but I'll be traveling, I'll be on the road. No, I had no home, no nothing, so I just traveled. Okay. Uh, that's when I learned snowboarding, I learned kite surfing, <laughs> I was visiting friends. So going back to exploring again. Yeah, so I, I, I was like literally like, yeah, full-time traveling. Yeah. I think this further enforces the idea that like, uh, reinforces the idea that, you know, we are not just meant to work for money. Yeah. Right? We are meant to always have a purpose, something that we are working towards. Yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah, exactly. And and even though I was traveling, right, I realized, and so my plan was to travel, uh, work on my fitness, maybe write a bit, mm. or read as well. But uh, those were just, I guess, distractions. They don't really like, give you a bigger purpose. Mm. So, like uh, Tolstoy says, right, man has a desire for desires. 
you will always be wanting to do something. Mm. Um, and for me, when I was traveling, it was it was it was a good like distraction, mm. but I didn't feel like I was productive. Mm. So in March this year, I decided to come back and like literally work on stuff again. And then circuit breaker happened. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I'm very thankful about because wow, the the, yeah. the timing was really really coincidental yeah. because when I was coming back, that was when Japan had that outbreak and at that with that cruise ship. Yeah. So, uh, COVID was literally just starting to worry people, and I came back and just in time because like I think in the later part of March, March that was when yeah things really started getting bad. Mm. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So, so the plan is to actually stay in Singapore right now, yeah. hunker down, and start working on my business. Start working on myself. Okay. Yeah. So before we talk about what you're working right now, which yeah. I'm, I'm very interested to find out more, um, I wanted to side topic a bit because we have a bit more time uh, to talk about um, school. Cool. Right. Because yeah. I, I I follow your post. Okay. <laughs> and occasionally, you know, I I read some stuff, and I think one of your recent posts was that you gave um, uh, you gave uh, um. Um, credit, yeah. right, to uh, SMU, basically yeah. the uni, you were studying at SMU, right? Yes. Yeah, basically the uni that you came from. And the reason why I'm asking this is, okay, I'll, I'll give you the context, right? Um, I've dropped out of school since poly. Okay. So I became a PhD at 18 <laughs> years old, right? So it's poly halfway dropout. <laughs> and I never really, okay, so if you want to be a doctor, my, my belief is this, if you want to be a doctor, you want to be a lawyer, go to school, right? Yeah. Yeah. But if you want to learn business, like don't go to school. That's always been my, my opinion. And one of the reasons is because I realized that even when I in my poly, I didn't go to uni, but I realized that I wasn't really any, learning anything that was useful for me, hmm. right? I was already doing business at the side, so I realized that like I was actually learning more with the experience. Like, I could have just spent the money, you know, that that I that I pay for the school fees into the real world. Yeah, I get a lot more experience from there. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but over time, you know, I started to have I started to challenge this belief because I started to see there's different camps of people, right? Yes. There are billionaires like Richard. Richard Branson, who, who don't like school, right? Yeah. And then there are billionaires like Mark Cuban, who say go to school. Yes. Right? Yes. So, I just want to know your thoughts on this. So, like, why do you give credit to, uh, to school? And, like, do you believe that entrepreneurs need to go to school? Oh, man. Or a degree? Yeah. Okay, so <laughs> this, is, this is something that I recently discovered also. Yeah. This is going to be the reason why and... Uh, yeah, the reason why a lot of things don't work for all people. It's the same for mm. nutrition, dieting, mm. yeah. uh, fitness programs, yeah. uh, whatever it is, right? Everything depends. Mm. Um, my take and my, my reason for this, for going through school was, was because I, I wasn't as aware, you know, uh, yeah. like you back then. Yeah. And my family wanted me to go to school. So, so I did. So I wasn't really a very academic guy. Mm. I thankfully did well in school, mm. but I was always running my business on the side. So whatever I did in school was for my business. Like even mm. if I had problems in my business, I'd be like figuring it out and then go to school and ask the lecturers or my, uh, my professors okay. for, for answers, right? Okay. And I was always trying to do stuff that was a bit out of the ordinary. Um, for me, one of the greatest things that I got from school was the ability to go overseas to study and live for two years. Mm. My family would never have been able to afford that. So I actually had a scholarship. Mm. That scholarship was given to me when I was like 19 at the end of poly. At a point, I didn't know I was going to get a scholarship. Mm. So when I did receive it, it was too late for me to apply for overseas 
uh, universities already. Mm. That, that was when I was like, okay, let me go to a local university and yeah. see what, what happens. Um, SMU was the only university that had a joint program. They allowed me to do two years in SMU and two years in Carnegie Mellon. Mm. So for that, I am I'm very, very thankful. It was mm. the experience of going overseas that I think yeah. really expanded my perspective yeah. and okay. really shaped me as a person. Yeah. Not necessarily the academics. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. Um, so, yeah, to me, I think the life experiences were, were more than worthwhile going through that path. Okay. Uh, yeah. So, okay. So that's my take. <laughs> but, but, but what if, what if someone would have spent the money and you got a scholarship. Yes. Okay, so, but what if someone don't have a scholarship, you could have just spend the money to just go and travel first and maybe from, from, from those traveling gain the same experience. Would that, would that work as well? Uh, depends on de- sorry, depends on what they want to achieve. Okay. Like, even for me, if you ask me like what I did when I traveled for two years, right? I, mm. I don't think that was very uh, structured or productive necessarily. Um, however, if you do do very like uh, specific things, yeah. like maybe you go for a three month course in like uh, Poland or something, or you try to learn programming. Uh, in Switzerland or you go to the US for a boot camp Mm. Um, I Mm. think these are the things that give you perspective because not not just because you're in a different country but because you're in a program with like-minded people that are pursuing the same things as well Um, so that gives you the diversity and the perspective to grow as an individual if you are left on your own um, it's it's a little harder to attain that Uh, but totally if if you could channel the funds into something else definitely i think that's something that's also very very very, very possible mm. yeah i Got think it. i think university these days yeah. face the same problem right people are asking why because it yes. is a lot of money yes and it is a huge amount of time yes um are you gonna get what you think you're gonna get after that three years that four years yeah um a lot of times the answer is no Mm. Unless you're a doctor or you yeah. know a, a lawyer yeah, the, or a specific skill set, exactly, right? okay. exactly that have yeah. to go through that. Yeah, and I think what you say is, is true. Like it really depends, right? Because if someone is going into school with no proper intention, yeah, right, no objective, they're just going to school because they don't want to go back and work. Yeah, <laughs> that happens, right? Yeah. they just don't yeah. want to go and work first. So they want to go to school, enjoy life, and then probably not. Yeah, right. But yeah, if exactly. they go with a certain ob- objective, they have a pure. I mean, they have a proper intention like for you you were really doing a business so you use kind of like use school as a way to kind of like ask questions to grow your business yeah to get more i mean ideas opportunities right you know yeah yeah and, totally and being around like-minded people i think yeah. one of, i think I, I do agree that being in school is where you get to connect with the right kind of people yes like, like even though they say like Mark Zuckerberg people like that they drop out of school but yeah. they got their first funding from the exactly from all people are, in school yeah, yeah. <laughs> all, their, all, their, all, all the all the friends in school yeah right Okay, I think yeah. that's super important. If there's one thing that I believe in is to have intention behind every single thing that we do. Okay. That's the same case that you know, as how I approach my business problems also or anything that I do in my business. Yeah. The same thing that I do in my life also. Like that you have to have intention. And it wasn't very clear at the start. Mm. You know, I guess we were, we were we were all young at, at a, you know, at one point in time. But mm. as we grow older and especially at now when I look back, I, I wish I knew that intention should be the reason why we do things, not mm. tradition, not oh, yeah. obligation, not yeah. any other thing. Yeah. Um so yeah. Nice. Intention. Intention. Yes. Right. So not tradition. Very nice. <laughs> I like that. I like that. Um, so final topic which is uh, what you're doing right now right so mm-hmm. you came back to Singapore and decided to kind of like 
more stay put right now. Like, yeah, right? yeah. And so what are you working on right now? Okay, I know that you are doing more like coaching and stuff like that. So what are you currently working on? Right now? Uh, so there's one thing that I know about myself is that I, I, I am an entrepreneur. Mm, yeah. So I don't see myself doing any other thing except business. Mm. And um, I guess I'm at a point of time like this year is perfect for me to kind of like consolidate all the knowledge, the experiences, um, you know, the journey that I had with entrepreneurship so far has been like 20 plus years. Mm. And oh. yeah, put <laughs> it, it sounds very long. Yeah, right, it's like two decades. <laughs> yeah. So I want to oh. put it somewhere, you know, video form, written form. Yeah. And so if I have a family next time, this will be my gift of knowledge to them also. Oh. Uh, that would be, be perfect. Right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So what, what was the reason? Yeah. And I think this is a great like consolidation stage for me because in the future, if I want to start a business, I'm not going to have time for this. Mm. So I think now will be the perfect place for me to think about why I did certain things, think about the lessons that I went through and extract and crystallize the the lessons that I learned. Mm. So this is perfect. So that's, that's why right now what I'm doing is coaching and mentoring other entrepreneurs mm-hmm. uh, on scaling up their businesses. Mm. But I am a very systematic person. I look at things and like, like you know, what we talked about, intentions, yeah. really, really important. Yeah. So I look at it and there are a few things that entrepreneurs require in order to scale up their businesses. Yeah. I mean, I went through the whole journey, right? There's a growth stage where you're like uh, stra- strapping and you're scrap- scrappy as, as hell and you try yeah. to do whatever it takes to grow a business. Yeah. But once you get to like five, six figures, you're looking at the next level. The next level requires you to be organized. It requires you to be systematic. Mm. It requires you to have efficiency mm. and to actually leverage upon your team yeah. to grow. You can't just have a group of people. You've got to have a team, a high-performing team yeah. in order to bring your business to the next stage. Mm. And, and that's the kind of thing that um, I have gone through and I, I know about. And that's why uh, I'm going to use that to teach other entrepreneurs to do the same thing. Okay, yeah. so basically people who are scaling. So yes. at what range of like maybe their revenue and stuff? Well, it's usually a business that needs a team. Okay. Like solopreneurs, is not, it's not really uh, going to be applicable unless they really want to develop a team. Mm. Because one of, the, one of the things that I know would bring a business to the next stage is for you to leverage upon other people. Mm. Uh, and the best way to do that is by building up a team. Mm. Um, so the fact that the guy needs to have a team, the guy, uh, the business also needs to have a certain amount of revenue mm. uh, because at the growth stage, it's very different from the scale stage and vice versa. Mm. Uh, growth stage, you're still looking at various things that, that basically have got to do with the survival of the business. Yeah. At the scale stage, you're, you're already making a decent profit. Now, you just need to make sure that everything is systemized and that you're fixing HR problems, you're fixing marketing problems, mm. you're fixing like advocacy problems, anything like that, so that your business can actually become like a well-oiled machine mm. and bring you up to the next level. Mm. So um, revenue-wise, you're probably at like five, six figures, and the business maybe has been around for like two or three years. Mm. That's probably the stage where most businesses are typically like transiting to the scale stage. Yeah, yeah. got it. And how do people get access to you um, if they want to find out more about your stuff and uh, I am on social media, Alvin Po uh, on like Instagram, Facebook. I, uh, my website as well is alvinpo.com. Got it. Uh, so people can find me there. Okay. We'll yeah. put all the relevant links in the description of wherever you're watching this, whether, whether it's on podcast or whether it's on YouTube, we'll put it there. Cool. And maybe yeah. I'll just ask a fi- anyway, with a final question, more of a fun question. Yeah. Uh, a bit more towards Circuit Breaker. Okay. okay. So, you know, the world is on lockdown. You know, uh, we just entered the phase two, so okay, at least now we can meet. Yeah. Right? We meet face to face. But like, what is the thing that you miss most 
um, in kind of like the new, uh, the old world. I know we should always be looking forward to the new world, right? Progressing and everything. But what are some of the things that you kind of miss right now? Um, as, like for now in COVID, as compared to like yes, in as, the compared past, to, as compared to the past, yeah. Uh, I think collaboration is one of the one of okay. the things that need to be worked on because uh, what are the tools that we have right now? Zoom and like maybe uh, video chat, basically, and it's still very primitive. It's so primitive because a lot of things aren't, aren't possible. You, basically, whatever you have is whatever the camera shows and maybe you share your screen, that's it. Uh, that is not very conducive to collaboration. Mm. And, and that's why you see things still progressing. That's why you still see like VR, you still see like Zoom creating like yeah. hardware right now. Yeah. Uh, because that market is still very nascent. And because of that, collaboration is never going to be as good as it is face-to-face. -face. Mm. And that's what you get from like having an office and all that. Mm. But that's it. I think the way forward is definitely remote work. It's definitely remote learning. Yeah. It's, it's all remote. Because there is no real reason why people need to be at a certain physical location together. Yeah. Even if you want collaboration, there are ways to be more con uh, you know, collaborative. Mm. Uh, I know for a fact that even with an office, there will be collaborative, collaboration problems, there will be product, productivity problems. Yeah. Yeah. So a, an office is not going to be a solution. Um, yeah. That's why I feel that we've always got to embrace whatever makes more sense mm. and whatever can be uh, bringing us towards the future instead. Mm. Got it. Yeah, I think everything there's always a pros and cons, right? Yeah. Like, even in office, I think the hardest thing, hardest thing is getting into deep work. Yeah. Right. People can always just distract you and distracting you by just for five minutes, they're actually taking away like hours of deep work. Exactly. Yeah. It to just get you out of that state. It takes you so long just to get back. Yeah. yeah. So pretty much, you, you should be enjoying uh, this this whole period right now. Right? I like it. I like yeah. it. Uh, I, I like the fact because I'm an introvert. I like the fact that yeah. I'm left alone and I can I can work on my own things. Yeah. And people are more conducive and more. Uh, they are warming up to the fact that video calls and you know, oh, yeah. whatever is, is, is more accepted. So yeah. uh, that's something that I, I am quite thankful for. Mm. Because I, for a very long time, I figured that a lot of things can be done through Zoom. There's no reason why you can't just use a video call yeah. to do... Exactly. Like, <laughs> exactly. For the longest time, I'm always like, hey, let's meet on Zoom. You we know, like to travel down and... You know, sometimes when you meet people face to face, I know it's okay to like have social life, but like sometimes you just... For business, you just want to meet, you know, and just want to get certain things yeah. done. But when you meet face to face, there'll be tend to like that you have chit chat, you know, you yeah. have, to have coffee first, you finish the coffee, and yeah, then, you, know, yeah, yeah. You, you tend to take more time than than needed. Yeah, exactly. So I'm, I'm loving this as well. Yeah. <laughs> Same. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I appreciate uh, I appreciate you coming on the show. Really, yeah, thank you so much. Been fun. Uh, I appreciate it. Thank you so much. Yeah. <laughs> so um, that's the end for today's uh, uh, story impact show, and I'll be back next week. Uh, for more episodes and I'll be interviewing more people on their stories on how they or how or what they are doing to stay at the top. So see you guys soon. Bye for now. Hey, this is Gabriel again and really quickly, I just want to thank you so much for listening to the Story Impact Show. I hope you have enjoyed this episode and if you did, please don't forget to subscribe and share this podcast with your friends. Don't forget to drop me a review on iTunes and your comments will help me greatly in creating more killer content like this just for you. And if you want to stay up to date with all my content, upcoming podcasts, events and much more, please jump onto my website at www.heygaberwong.com.